0: what's up everybody welcome to the pick six podcast cbs sports daily nfl podcast i'm will brinson i'm the host of this shindig this is the sunday night recap we break down every single game from sunday's action we'll have a monday night preview tomorrow night with jared dubin as well as a chat with our pal jason Lockenfora. Um and you can check out our youtube exclusive Early look at Week 10 lines. We've got five games we broke down with myself, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, and Sean Wagner-McGuff, who join me now. What's up, fellas?
1: You introduced me as Sean Wagner on the YouTube show, but I didn't want to call you out because of the weird delay. So that's the only reason I let it slide.
2: I would just like to point out that I am number one this week against the spread against you chumps. And number one straight up, John, I have overtaken you. How you like that, buddy?
3: I would like to point out that due to stupid daylight savings time be over, I had now have to listen to Ryan's trash talk for an extra hour. <sighs>
0: um, yeah, I hate to see it. In case you're wondering, you hate to see it. In case you're wondering what they're talking about, uh, wow, Ryan, this is on the NFL experts picks page. Ryan 11 and two straight up, not bad. Eight and five against the spread. You can tell it's a, a donkey week, right? And <laughs> like the True that. When, like, the fifth graders are hitting their picks pools. And, um, by the way, home teams this week, 12-2 and two against the spread. I mean, 12-0 and 0 against the spread, excuse me. Unbelievable number for home teams. Um, on Sunday, anyway. Of course, the uh, 49ers did not cover on Thursday night, although they did win straight up. And that includes a Jaguars team that went to London. But let's start first with the Sunday night game. An outstanding effort by the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the New England Patriots 37 to 20, leading those aforementioned 49ers as the only undefeated team in football. If you had that before the season, you're a liar. So don't bother raising your hand. Um, Lamar Jackson, 17 to 23, 163 yards, one touchdown, ran 16 times for 61 yards and two scores. Mark Ingram was excellent along in the ground. Uh, along the ground 15 carries 115 yards gus edwards vultured a touchdown uh marquise brown three catches 48 yards and look the ravens just frankly kind of dominated the patriots for most of this game tom brady 30 of 46 285 one touchdown one interception 10 uh receptions each for julian edelman and most Mo has been a big factor in there including a touchdown catch for sanu um look what's the uh what's the big takeaway here ryan do you look at this and say, the Patriots overrated, worst defense of all time, Belichick, ain't right. played nobody. Or do you say, What's going on? I uh, know, it's like an Alabama fan. It's like, Bama ain't played no one, pal. Or do you say, or do you say something like, eh, you know what? The Ravens are a bad matchup for them and, uh, they played really well at home and pre-primetime.
3: Uh, I just want to say real quick that I spent the weekend in Alabama and Brinson's accent is surprisingly accurate. Way to go
2: Brettson. I
0: didn't play nobody Paul.
2: Yeah, Paul. Uh here we go uh with my uh important takeaway. Look guys, I've been saying this for quite some time. I think Sean mentioned it on one of the YouTube shows recently. I am all in on Lamar Jackson. I have been for some time and he proved me right. He didn't prove me right. He is he's amazing. And we saw that and we saw Bill Bill Belichick having zero answers. So first of all, Bill uh Lamar Jackson is another worldly talent. Second of all, and we've seen this in the past recently, the Eagles with their play calling being aggressive. John Harbaugh, one of the most aggressive play callers in the NFL. And you need to be that type of play caller to go head-to-head with Bill Belichick, who generally makes very uh, very few mistakes. The Patriots made more mistakes on Sunday night in the Baltimore game than they probably made all year combined. There were the turnovers. There were the the penalties that you haven't seen before. Tom Brady didn't look great, but the offense hasn't looked great, great all year. But I think it starts with Lamar Jackson in the running game. And if it weren't for those those turnovers, the the muff punt which led to three points, I think, and then the the Ingram fumble which led to seven more points, it could have been more out of hand. So huge win for the Ravens. Uh, the Patriots get the week off; they'll be fine. And now the question becomes: as we look forward to uh, the rest of the Patriots' schedule, how many losses are they, they going to gonna have? I'm guessing one or two at the most. And then what does that mean for the Ravens? Can they work at home field advantage? Can they keep this going? Uh, so on and so forth. So huge win. Lamar Jackson proved me right.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with everything Ryan said. I actually found what was so impressive about this is um, I think we all expected them to follow the Browns type of game plan or the game plan the Browns wanted to use that had a lot of success, which is run the ball right at them. And we kind of a lot of people overlooked it because the Browns turned the ball over on three straight plays and uh, kind of fell into a hole they weren't able to recover from. But what was impressive about this is I don't even think this was the Ravens playing their best football because... They followed the Browns, uh, you know, they copied that game plan a little bit too closely. You mentioned the muff punt, uh the Mark Ingram fumble, and for a while there it looked like uh the Patriots were going to inevitably win and the 17 nothing start the Ravens got off to wasn't going to matter. And so what I found was impressive is that they made those kinds of mistakes, the kind of mistakes that you normally can't make against a Bill Belichick team, and they still ended up winning by, what was it, 17 points? And it never really felt like it was in jeopardy. Like the Patriots would come down, they would make it a one-score game, and then every single time they would just answer right back.
0: I would say that when it was 17-13 and in the third quarter and the Patriots had scored in the first half, and look, the the Ravens were outstanding in the red zone. They forced Bill Belichick to make decisions about taking points instead of being aggressive on fourth down. He didn't do that. People questioned it. Um, But then the Patriots had the ball to start the second half and with 12-21 left, Julian Edelman fumbles, and uh, Marlon Humphrey takes it 70 yards. And that flipped it. Like, I, f- it felt like the Patriots were about to take that game over.
2: That was the first Edelman fumble in three years that he lost.
0: But, it, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like it's like, oh, man, like the Ravens have kicked their ass all game. And now the Patriots are just like, going to take this game. And then the ball goes the other way, and all of a sudden, you know, Baltimore's rolling. And that, that, that's sort of where I was. And, like, but, I-
1: But I do want to say real quick that, yes, I mean, obviously that's a fluky type of play that you can't always depend on. But you look at what the Ravens did do in the second half, though. 14 plays, 81 yards, eight minutes off the clock, touchdown. 14 plays, 68 yards, nine minutes off the clock, touchdown. So the Ravens, I felt like were still, even if they don't get that fumble and say the Patriots go and score and take the lead, I had complete faith based off the way the rest of the game unfolded, the the Ravens would have gone and did what they ended up doing.
0: They had had two drives in the fourth quarter against the best – the best defense in football that were eight minutes plus the two fourteen 14 plays drives, drives that you're referencing and resulted in a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, that's enormous. I mean, that's how you salt away a team. I, I really like, I mean, I'm not like, I didn't have a great week against the spread. Didn't, you know, it was eight and five uh, straight up. Like I'm not trying to act like I was all over it, but I mean, like this is one of my best bets and I thought the Ravens were going to win. I mean, I just, I just felt like this is a bad matchup breach for the Patriots.
3: Well, and that is exactly what I was about to say. Was that I think you picked the Ravens to win. Ryan picked the Ravens to win. I picked the Ravens or to win.
0: I picked the Ravens to win than the Patriots on our CBS Extra's page. That was well. Shocking. And the weird thing here
3: is that I feel like every single person knew what the Ravens were going to do. I think a lot of times we all try to get Bill Belichick's head: how is he going to shut down this team? What's he going to do? But this was the one situation where everyone was just like, hey, the Ravens are going to go in. They're going to run the ball. They're going to steamroll New England's defense. And if they can run it, then they're going to win. If they can't, then they're not. So what is Belichick going to do to stop that? And it was like, I don't know what happened, but they look sloppy. They look undisciplined, and this was exactly like, you know, Belichick always says, do your job. It's almost like he said the opposite of that this week because they were making uncharacteristic mistakes. I mean, the Ravens were absolutely the better team, but it was just like the, the Patriots were making mental errors. You never see the Patriots make. I mean, we talked about Julian Edelman's fumble, the first one in three years. Tom Brady threw up a pass that had no shot that was intercepted by Earl Thomas. It was just insane to see all of this come together together in one game so uh you know like if i'm the patriots and i love all these theories now on the internet of like belichick giving his son credit leaking out
0: it's ridiculous that was a joke right
3: yeah oh yeah no it's obviously a joke or other theories like oh belichick let lamar jackson do all this so when they play each other in the playoffs he'll actually uh throw a wrench in his face and have a real defense And just want to see how Athletic Lamar Jackson is right now. But it was
0: that's, that's going to be a talking point for New England, like sports radio, for the next two weeks. It's like, I mean, maybe Belichick just didn't want to show well, Lamar Jackson what he had in store for him later. I don't, I don't. I don't think
1: it's it's obviously not that because obviously Belichick didn't go there punning this game. But as for as impressed as we are about the Ravens, and as much as this legitimizes them as a legitimate you know Super Bowl contender, uh, I don't look at this Patriots loss as a big deal. Uh, because, look, Lamar did this to them and exposed their defense, but there's not really another quarterback that can do the kind of things that Lamar can do.
3: Sean Watson? Not in not not The difference not, not is in this that way.
2: Bill O'Brien is not Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, and that, that's a huge, huge <laughs> and, problem. I mean,
3: if, they, if they play
1: again, I think it will be in New England, um, if you just oh. look at the Patriots' schedule. And so do we think the Ravens twice in the season can beat them? Uh, I mean can they do it in Foxborough? i 'm still not entirely convinced I think it'll be a good game, but like so i don't think look
4: rice
2: did it
0: i 'll say this I do think that the look the Patriots have a buy um they 're at the Eagles coming out of the buy on c b s They will probably take care of business against the Eagles, but I do think that Philadelphia and Dallas who are their next two opponents are sort of bad matchups for them based on what we 've seen with their run defense, like those two teams if their offensive line is healthy and they're playing well, can muscle the Patriots around a little bit and not have to throw as much. And that's, that's really the key. Like the Ravens set up perfectly for the Patriots because they can dink and dunk and, and do all kinds of creative stuff. That opening drive scripted by Greg Roman was majestic. I mean, they were like, they, I mean, that, that was per Do you think majestic is too much for you? It was perfect, man. Bancy. They marched down. I it. mean, they, they got,
1: yes, it was great. But at the same time, they had to get a, Encourage, uh, encouragement penalty to, to score a touchdown. They were lining up for a field goal, and no one ever drives
2: that when they No one ever says that, Sean, when they're recounting a great Patriots drive. Oh, they needed help with the penalty. That was a great drive. 11,
1: I'm not they, saying it wasn't a great drive. I'm just saying the yeah, Patriots they, helped they, them out on that, yeah, but they're, making they're, an uncharacteristic mistake. Yeah, that they'd
0: never yeah, that's that's fine. They went 75 yards on 11 plays with six first downs burned 7 minutes off the clock and scored a touchdown. That's what you have to do to establish your will against the Patriots early. And then the Patriots come out and go three and out. Well,
3: and then what Brent just said is here's the thing is the Ravens absolutely imposed their will on the Patriots in this game, and as you guys already mentioned, the Ravens made plenty of mistakes and they still won by 17. Like if the Ravens had brought their A game and didn't make any mistakes, they probably could have won this game 45 to 20 or 50 to 20. So when you talk about them possibly having a rematch in January, the the Ravens left a lot on the table here. So, you know, like, I do feel like they could beat them in January. And I do think Harbaugh
1: outcoached Belichick from the perspective of aggressiveness because I was shocked Belichick kicked a field goal at the one-yard line, which was pretty much the final play of the first half when a touchdown ties the game. And then you look at the other side of the things. Wait a second, Sean.
2: What's the math on that, though? Because I can tell you the math on that where it makes sense to kick there.
1: You think it would – you think it makes sense to kick?
2: It's 54% chance you score from fourth and one there. So if you do like the average that's, – that's three three points on a six-point score.
0: Well, what do they say? Like don't point soft, conversions? Dunk on him. Dunk on him. Finish him.
2: He wants I mean, to I, don't,
1: I don't have the exact numbers, but – I just they, told you the numbers, If Sean. it makes sense to go for two most of the time, which a lot of math people say, and that's from the two-yard line, then why wouldn't it make sense to always go for – a touchdown it's fourth for the and one
2: at the end of the first half, you have a fifty-four percent chance of doing it. So it's slightly more than three points on average that you will get on wait, a, wait, Wait, no, a, I
1: think okay. Then I think I think you're. I think that's a point in my favor because I think the average on two point conversions is roughly like forty percent or something, or it's it's a little bit below fifty percent converting two point conversions. You're not getting the math, John, but okay. You think it was right on fourth and one to kick a field goal when you're down by seven? A twenty-two you, yard field goal. Has, a
2: twenty-two yard field goal I, I, probably.
1: I'm shocked that you're you're advocating to kick field goals at the one-yard line. Like that's something if John Fox does it, we're like yelling about this old man being. Stop
2: talking! Stop talking! When there's no time left in the first half or at the end of the game, it doesn't matter how much because the the whole idea of going for the fourth and and one—if you get stopped, the team has to go 99 yards. You're walking into the locker room. That's the whole point.
1: I still would have kicked, or sorry, I still would have gone for (laughs) it. Okay. Like Briscoe, I,
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to explain it to you and you're like, uh, okay, I would have just gone, I would have kicked
1: anyway. I mean, I don't think you have the hard numbers.
2: I just told you the number, Sean.
1: I would, if
3: there's a better than 50% chance that I can get seven points, I will take that. But, but Sean, Ryan is saying that part of the analytics is that no, I you stop. Said. So the Ravens would take over the one-yard line. You force them to punt, and all of a sudden you have a good field position. But that's not an option because it's the end of the half.
1: I I understand that. I'm saying their defense was not stopping the Ravens' offense. You have a chance to get seven points. I don't think a field goal is what you need in that kind of game.
2: Okay, we'll just say that then. Don't try to lean on the analytics.
1: I'm saying – you give me – okay, this is dumb. I'm saying if you give me a 50% chance of scoring a
3: touchdown, I'll take it. Let me just say real quick is that that's classic Belichick, though, because they got the ball first in the second half, and he loves to just get any points – at the end of the first half, and then you turn around, you get the double score because you get the ball back at the start of the second half. And that's how Belichick's thinking because he's already looking at their next possession. So he's saying, I get a field goal plus I get the next possession. Uh, that's a sweet deal. So he's always going to take those points if they have the ball first uh, to start the second half. If they did not, I would have been interested to see what he did.
0: Wait, so uh, Bel- well, well, Belichick, James White goes to the one-yard line for five yards.
3: Yeah.
0: He's crawling. They reviewed it, right? Yeah. 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 And then the Patriots called their final timeout with 10 seconds left. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have no problem taking the points there. You take the point. I mean, like you get three points and you go to halftime and then you get like breach is saying, you come back out with the ball and you're only down four points. That's huge. That's his, that's his signature move. Score first, score last and score first.
1: I, again, again, I would have gone for the touchdown.
0: Well, okay. you do have a wildly successful 20 year coaching career running a dynasty <laughs> in New England. So. And
1: you have a guy who's unstoppable in quarterback sneaks as well.
2: It was a long one. This
0: anyway. long from this game.
2: Let's let me, go. let me put out this fun fact before we move along real quick. May not be fun. I don't care. Give me a zero out of 10. Uh, NFL research. No, Lamar Jackson.
0: For that, uh, that, uh, the Jimi Hendrix Topeka, Kansas one.
2: Oh yeah, that was, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't great. <laughs> So uh Lamar Jackson is the first quarterback to score multiple rushing touchdowns in a single game against the Patriots since do you guys know since? Have you seen this?
3: Colin Kaepernick.
2: Uh don't, that's a good guess, but that's wrong.
3: Uh uh-huh. um
2: Hold on. Michael
3: Vick. I can hear Brinson googling.
2: I, I'm not, Michael Vick. That's that's wow, that's a good guess. That's a long time ago. No, Sean, do you want to guess?
1: How long ago was it?
2: You can't tell you. I'll tell you after I give you the answer. Let's we'll come give on.
1: It's Long. Give your, give your. I'm not going to guess it. Give me.
2: Tim Tebow, week 15. Oh my tell goodness, uh, that is a fun uh, fact.
1: But you framed it as a trivia question, which I've done yes. it before, and I've got. Makes me interact.
0: All right, what do we got, Branson? Hmm. Ooh, ooh! I got a better fun fact for you from this game. Then we'll move along. Okay. This is also from NFL research. Just, just ripping off NFL research. Yeah. Like, just, just, just tweet, uh, just follow NFL research on Twitter. Look yeah, at Lamar Jackson is the second player with a passing touchdown and multiple rushing touchdowns in a single game against the Patriots since Bill Belichick took, took over. The only other one, Ronnie Brown. Oh, Wildcat action, 20, 2008. 2008. You got
2: it. Week three, 2008. That's a fun, that's a, when challenge. the Dolphins won the division.
3: Uh, and, Well, and since the Patriots lost the 49ers, Brinson, I think you mentioned earlier, the last undefeated team. And here is your guys' fun fact. The last undefeated team has not won the Super Bowl since 2006.
0: That's a fun fact. All right, speaking of teams that are undefeated, these are not teams that are undefeated. The Dolphins and the Jets played a game of football, and it was awesome! Man, it was fun. I love that game. The Dolphins win their first game. Hooray, Dolphins! 26-18 to over... Sam Darnold and the Jets, the Dolphins cover the three and a half, the over 42 and a half hits. Ryan Fitzpatrick is your top fantasy performer. And we got to hear, uh, one Sam Darnold with some wildly encouraging words about, uh, about his quarterback, about his head coach, Adam Gase. I mean, you know, coach Gase is, he's, you know, one of the best coaches I've ever been around um it's just a matter of going out there as players and executing staying consistent um he's putting putting together great game plans um you know we're staying motivated every single game we go out there and give great effort and practice we have great effort um again it's just about staying consistent and executing uh and putting really good drives together i would say that the what the jets did does not qualify as uh, executing or being good and i'm not sure that um you know i'm not sure that they suck. The Jets are worse than the Dolphins. I mean, I called this there game. I said I said they would I said they would go down there and lose, and that's fine. Um, was there any chance, Sean, that Adam Gates gets fired right now? Yes.
1: Oh, right now, no, I don't think so. I mean, he just won a power struggle in the soft season, so I feel like it would take further calamity. But at this point, it seems like I don't How know much why.
3: Calamity than losing to an zero
1: seven team that's tanking. I mean, like repeated calamities which i think is what's going to happen like i think he'll be gone at the end of the year because he was brought in to develop sam darnold and sam darnold came back against the cowboys from mono and he looked great um i was i even wrote about him for my quarterback power rankings about how like he's offering the jets hope and since then he's been horrific um to the point where do you remember when he was coming out of the draft and everyone was talking about like oh he had those terrible turnovers at, at usc but like they can coach it out of him I'm starting to think they can't coach it out of him uh, because he is a turnover machine right now. The interception that he threw in the red zone, I think would probably be a top five worst throw of the season, just in the context, uh, just him chucking it up without looking. Um, it was so horrific. And then you have to look at Adam Gates because he's an alleged uh, quarterback guru and alleged offensive mastermind. And we've talked about his, his record in one score games with the dolphins. And if that was an indication of he, if he was lucky, Or if he got the most out of his talent, I think we've getting the answer right now that it was lucky.
0: Adam Gase has 24 wins as a head coach and 25 losses by double digits as a head coach. (laughs) That's, that's that's not, it's not fun because it's not a fun fact. It's not fun. That's bad, man. Um, something? yeah, I was going to say Darnold, 27 to 39, 260 yards, one touchdown, one interception, another, um inspiring effort by LeVeon Bell who ran hard behind a crappy offensive line and was tackled by a bad defense. Seventeen carries, sixty six yards. Jamison Crowder, they keep unleashing him. He's a target hog. Nine catches. Nine targets, eight catches, 83 yards, a very easy touchdown, uh, at which point Jets beat writers like Manish Mehta, who I love, but you got I saw that he got old takes exposed. It was like, the route is on. <laughs> it's like, not so fast, my friend. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 24-36, 288 yards, three touchdowns. Mike Gusecki, Gusecki, hello, friend. Six catches, 95 yards. Devontae Parker,
1: bye-bye. Hate him. to see it.
0: You get to see it. 57 receiving yards. Uh, and Williams, five catches, 72 yards. Nobody really did anything in the ground game for either team. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, afterwards, uh, talking to reporters, Adam Gase was asked if the
2: Jets' loss, uh, this season is embarrassing. The loss to the, to the Dolphins was embarrassing. He goes, it's the NFL. You can't be embarrassed by this ish. I would disagree with that. And then the next question was from the Daily News. And he was asked, uh, if this validates Steve Ross's decision to, <laughs> to fire him. And Gase said, uh, I won't answer that. That's a ridiculous question. Uh, you really should answer it because it's sort of funny, and you are uh, a, a, like a blanket of sadness. And um, finally, T- uh, Tony Pauline, who now runs the Pro Football Network, tweeted this, and it actually makes a ton of sense. I don't know if we talk about it em- enough just because we don't pay attention to the Jets and the Dolphins. But he tweeted that the Dolphins, who built this roster to lose, are going to beat the New York Jets, who built a built roster to win. And it really wasn't even close. I-, I mean, they got spanked. Sean talked about how poorly Darnold played. Adam Gase gets out coached every week. I don't know what the solution is other than getting rid of Darnold, uh, not Darnold, getting rid of uh, Gase and starting over. But we talk about that every year with these terrible teams. You have to have people to hire. And I don't know if there's enough good head coaches out there to sort of solve all these problems for Literally
3: people. anyone besides Freddie Kitchens would be better than Adam Gase. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, that's it. That's, that's the a, pool of candidates is every single person available. And the thing is like Every time something – you would watch this game and something would happen where you're just like, I can't believe Adam Gase is an NFL coach. Uh, the Sam Darnold interception that Sean brought up was just disastrous. It was down at the goal line. I don't know how he thought he, that throw was a good idea. Uh, and then it got worse because in the second half they basically safety themselves because a shotgun snap – I, like, went off Darnold's hands out of the end zone and, and turned into a safety and two points for the Dolphins. It was just, like, this is the most undisciplined team. Sean always talks about how Adam Gay spends 23 hours in the coach's office at the Jets' facility and has absolutely nothing to show for it. Like, he's just dilly-dallying during those 23 hours because this team does not look, like, any better. If anything, they look worse. And also, I love the quote that Ryan read about... uh Sam Darnold saying this is he's one of the best coaches I've ever had. Like, is that even a compliment? The only other NFL coach you ever had was Todd Bowles. So this is like bad to worse. I, this team is
0: headed nowhere. did he, like, he had like Clay Helton and Todd Bowles? I was going to ask, him yeah, who was yeah. his coach
1: at USC? Like,
0: but, like didn't, but didn't um, wasn't Clay Helton the interim? I think at USC when like the, like his other guy got fired. Like somebody got fired. And and so,
3: yeah, and Darnold's saying he's one of the best. He can't even call you the best out of his crappy pool of coaches that he's had. That's like a backwards insult. I don't even know if I could call that a compliment. So this is just – the whole thing's a disaster. I need to blow it up. And the thing is, I'm glad somebody asked that Steven Ross question, and I wish Gase would have answered it. And I wish the Jets would have fired him after this game. If I was the Jets owner, I would have said, if he loses to the frickin' Dolphins, I'm firing him because that is literally rock bottom. The Jets are at rock bottom for any team that's not the Bengals.
0: By the way, uh, it was, it was Clay Helton who took over for Steve Sarkeesian, who was fired by USC. I mean, that insane, how was it only 2015? The insane, like drinking at work scandal. Remember that? That was like only that 2015? T- yeah, it felt like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause darn, cause remember Sarkeesian got fired and Clay Helton came in and USC was three and two and Helton played Darnold, I believe. Um, no, maybe not. Cody Sark is a quarterback.
2: Oh, do man. you see the irony of calling out Sark for drinking at work as you drink at work? <laughs> I was
0: just going <laughs> <open>, to say that too. I openly drink at work.
2: He was probably trying to do that too, implement a new, uh,
0: new plan. It didn't go over too well. Anyway. By the way, this messes
2: up the, the Dolphins. Honestly. Too.
0: That's right. That was my next question for you, Ryan. What does this do for the, cause the Dolphins, this is unfolding brilliantly for, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: Yeah, so uh, our buddy Adam Beasley, the Miami Herald, tweeted this out after the game. The Dolphins would now own the fourth, the 16th, and the 25th, and 36th picks of the 2020 draft if season ends. That's a so nightmare. That's, that is a nightmare for the Dolphins. Two quarterbacks can be gone by number four. But, I mean, look, when you have 47 picks in the draft, you could probably trade up a few, few spots if you wanted to, but what?
0: Well, I mean, who, 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 the picks that they have are from the uh, Texans. The Texans the, Texans and the Steelers. Texans. Texans, Steelers and the, the Dolphins own picks. If, if they have, if they get out of there with like one top 10 pick, that's a disaster. Like it's they not, I mean, if they get out of there with one top 15 pick and that pick isn't even in the top five, that is an unmitigated disaster for a tank. That's it. Like somehow the Dolphins are going to F up tanking. It's unbelievable. Well, wait, as soon as they bench Josh Rosen and put Ryan Fitzpatrick in, we talked about this. He is
1: the perfect quarterback to steal two or three wins.
0: Look, I do think that there's something to be said for. You, there's so many different ways to look at this. I think there's something to be said like this team needs to win a game or two. I just think it's bad for morale to go 0-16. I've seen Dolphins fans say they're fine going with 1-15, but they wanted to get one win. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Brian Flores getting a Gatorade bath? I did not like it. Well earned.
3: It's his first win as a coach. Yeah. I'm fine I feel that. like anytime you can get a bath, you got to take it.
2: Zach Taylor would love a Gatorade bath. He got a Gatorade bath on the bye week because they didn't lose.
3: Sean – Well, the Bengals can't afford Gatorade.
0: The year's gonna be like 2021. (laughs) Like Zach Taylor's at home, like like his wife walks in the bathroom and he's like filling up the bathtub with Gatorade to like take an actual Gatorade bath. No, he's gonna. He's
2: like, I'm gonna drown myself.
0: (laughs) She's like, Why do you you have your toaster in here, honey? He's like, No reason. (laughs) Shut the door. (laughs) Just leave me alone, please. I got dark. Let's. Yeah, uh, for real. Well, I mean, this is a dark
3: podcast. It's the gothic portion of our podcast. The Halloween oh, Remnant. It's Day Fine. of the Dead.
0: Let me ask you this. <laughs> Did I remember I said the Jets are going to make a playoff push? I should have grabbed the audio of that. Was, well, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. How many games? Here are the, ne- the Jets' next five games. Over-under wins in the next five games, Sean. Giants at Redskins. Raiders at Bengals. Dolphins.
4: Mm.
1: One. I, that's yeah. how many I think they'll uh, win.
0: Oh, oh. But one I think
1: a you could put it? A, put two as like the over under.
2: One and a half is the over under. I think
0: the over under would be two and a half.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. I would take that.
3: I'm taking the under.
2: I'm taking the under for all the
0: uh, Mr. Bisky money bets. Yeah, I
3: think the over under's got to be one and a half. I think that would get us on the line. Would you yeah. guys all take the under? I would take the under. Pretty
1: I might confidently. take.
0: I, w- I think I would take the and over. Half I would take the over. Two and a half I would take. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Dolphins, on the other hand, have. I don't see, I was supposed to go down. They were talking about sending me down on December 22nd to Fort Lauderdale for Dolphins Bengals. I know we talked about it, but like they were actually like, you're coming down for that.
1: That, That's, we should talk about that, how that, oh, why Why would they, whatever bowl is
0: ruined? Why would they really send you down there for that? They want to do like a social media. I don't know. Social, social team want to do something, but like that's not, it's just not going to be like a game now. The Bengals are probably going to be over, but the Dolphins might have two or three wins. Um, Dolphins are at the Colts, Bills at home, at the Browns. I think that one's kind of interesting. Uh, Eagles at home, at Jets, at Giants, Bengals. I think the Dolphins can win three games by the end of the season. Yeah. It'd be two. They'll steal one more. Yeah.
3: I mean, Fitzpatrick makes them sneaky good. We saw him almost beat the Steelers. And then that's like, it is literally reverse tanking by putting him in there. They might win four games if they, if he starts the rest of the season. And who knows where they'll be. It'll be like two games they're supposed to win and one game they're
0: absolutely not. They'll go and beat the freaking Eagles.
2: By the way, reverse tanking is called winning.
0: Yeah. The good, news, <laughs> the, the good news for the Jets is that no matter how many games they lose this year, they can't be the NFL's most disappointing team because that team resides in Cleveland. And the Browns went on the road again and laid another bag of poop on somebody's doorstep. Broncos 24, Browns 19. As you mentioned, every home team won straight up and covered, obviously, um on, on Sunday. Uh, the Broncos covered the plus four. The over-39 hit, the top fantasy performer in this game, Brandon Allen, never-before-seen quarterback for the uh, Denver Broncos, who actually looked pretty sharp, um, aided by some horrific Cleveland tackling. 12-20 of for 193 yards and two touchdowns. Noah Fant breakout game, three catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton continued to produce five catches, 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, for the Browns, Odell Beckham, five catches, 87 yards. Jarvis Landry had a touchdown, 13 targets, six catches. Woof. Baker, 27 of 42, 273 yards, one touchdown. Uh, what was more embarrassing, Breach, that Baker Mayfield uh, missed Odell Beckham beating Chris Harris on the sideline for a potential game-winning touchdown at the end, or that he showed up uh, to the post-game press conference looking like a uh insurance salesman who walked in to find out that his dog had stabbed his cat and his wife ran off with um an alien or something
3: definitely b i mean the thing is you look at Baker Mayfield in that press conference I almost felt sorry for him, and it's fitting that their mascot is a dog because he's definitely aging in dog years playing for this team <laughs> like. He literally looks 30 years older. Brinson, you posted a picture of the, when he signed versus now and he, he looked like he was 21 and now he looks like he's 58. It's insane. Uh, but this is just, I feel like we could spend 30 minutes per podcast just calling out dumb things that the Browns do, whether it's Baker Mayfield not throwing it to Odell Beckham, who is your star player, uh, when he has a step on a cornerback on a fourth down play. Um, or Freddie Kitchens making more bonehead stuff like, hey, it's fourth and one. You know who should be on the field? My star running back, Nick Chubb, because he is literally one of the best running backs in the NFL. No, Nick Chubb was not on the field for a key fourth down in the fourth quarter in a five-point game. That's just preposterous. What coach could possibly think that's a good idea, not to have your star running back on the Freddie field? Kitchens. Yes, that was a rhetorical question, and Wilson.
0: Freddie I- Freddie had that, like, he has one moment every game. And th- in this game, I thought it was um when the, he, there was a uh, – he challenged something. What was he challenged? Joe, so he challenged the spot. The spot Baker, on the Baker, sneak. Yeah, Baker tried to sneak on fourth down. And it was, like, ripped on his helmet. It was, like, I got the spot. Like, tell, told Freddie that. And Freddie, like, calls the official over. And he has his challenge flag out, like he's about to challenge it. And they huddled up for like a pretty lengthy amount of time. And then the officials walk back over, and they're about to like, like, still be like, "All right, time to go." Because basically, he said, "Listen, Freddie, I'm gonna do you a solid here, okay?" Like. Uh, you, you know we don't we just don't think it's you know probably not you know like you can tell he's basically like look i i can check it for you if you want me to check it for you but i don't know if you really want me to check it for you and freddie's like okay okay i got you and then throws the flag anyway and he gets overturned it was a bad spot they got hosed but i mean every game of freddie kids Kitch- every game is something new with this guy. i mean
1: in the second quarter they kicked four field goals all inside of 40 yards they kicked the 39 yard field goal a 30-yard field goal, a 27-yard field goal, and a 30-yard field goal. It's it's really tough to win games when you can't finish drives like that. And some and they weren't even all drives. Uh, one of them was a six-play, nine-yard drive. So I mean, I mean that's just that's really hard that's
0: to do. Six-play, nine-yard drive.
2: <laughs> Here's what I learned about Freddie Kitchens. You learn something new and stupid every week. Uh, during the broadcast, they they uh, some the the play-by-play guy who I don't even, who did the game.
0: Do we know? Doesn't
2: matter. Uh, <laughs> it
0: was uh, Kevin Harlan. Oh, Kevin Harlan. Rich Gannon awesome. and Jay Feely was on the sideline. We'll get to that in a second.
2: Oh, Go ahead. That's right. Good good call. Thank you for reminding me. Anyways, yes. one, of the, one of them brought Kevin this Harlan,
0: up. My favorite announcer.
2: Yeah, Harlan's the the jam. As um, Congressman Jam says, Councilman Jam. You know what I'm talking got, about, Parks and Rec. You got jammed. You got jammed. But this was brought up during a telecast, and it sort of blew my mind even by Freddie Kitchens standards. So at the beginning of the year, Freddie Kitchens was making his team run for, for making all the stupid penalties in practice because he doesn't coach penalties is what, what he tells us every week. You wouldn't know what to watch his team play. But once the season started, he didn't want his team running all the time, <laughs> running their legs out. And so we called Bill Parcells last week to ask him what he should do to, to get rid of all the penalties, and Bill Parcells – Said, uh, if you aren't winning, what are you saving their legs for? Which is a great quote and and, and, and a perfect explanation for how the, how the Browns are doing. So he started running them again last week as punishment for making penalties during practice. It doesn't work. He has no idea how to coach. He's just making it up as it goes along and he is lost. And I guess he's worse than Adam Gase, but it's, it's like neck and neck. Um, by the
3: way, I, Baker- I would say Gase is worse because he has more experience than NFL head coach and he's still bad. Kitchen just is in the, he's learning on the job, but he's
0: not learning anything. Uh,
3: but I, I would rank <laughs> Gase lower just because you would think he would get better with more experience, but he hasn't.
0: Gase is also like totally condescending about it. And Freddie's kind of like, <laughs> Um Baker Mayfield last year, his first eight starts, three and five, 61.8% completion percentage, 255 passing yards per game, 17 touchdowns. Seven interceptions. His first eight starts this year. Two and six. 58.7% completion percentage. That's a drop of more than 3%. Uh, 245.4 passing yards. That's a drop of 10 passing yards. Seven touchdowns. 12 interceptions. Hugh you- Jackson on line one. Really? I mean, look, the Browns had 21 first downs to the Broncos 13. They had, uh, 40% and six third down conversions. To the Broncos, thirty-three percent and three. They had three hundred fifty-one total yards, and to the to the Broncos, three hundred two. They had seventy-three offensive plays to the Broncos, forty-three. They, I mean, their volume was there, and they couldn't do anything with it. This is a really bad team.
3: And Brunson, the Broncos did not get inside Cleveland's twenty-yard line the entire game. Not once. Not once.
0: Didn't need to. They didn't go to the red zone once. Not oh the Broncos didn't go to the red zone once.
3: Yeah, the Broncos did not get in the red zone a single time and they still won.
0: Um and just to make matters worse, there's also this whole thing with the cleats. Like I I again people are like yelling at me on Twitter, like what are you making? Of, you think the cleats are causing the team to be bad? It's like, no, I don't think the cleats are causing the team to be bad. But when the head coach is allowing the players to stroll out there in joker cleats that don't match a uniform and that are a clear violation of the uniform and that they're going to get thrown off the, the, the field by the NFL at halftime. If they don't tell them to change, that tells me maybe the process isn't entirely buttoned up.
1: It just, and, that kind of thing would never happen. Like with the, and I know the Patriots are the extreme yeah, other example, perfect, but it would never happen there. Yeah. Look at
2: Baltimore. Look at good teams that win football games. Doesn't happen in Baltimore. Doesn't happen in New England. So maybe it's
1: and it's one of those things where if they were winning, no one would care and it'd be fun and look at these Browns having fun. But if you're not winning, you also just like have to be smart enough to understand that it will be perceived this way by some people and it's best to just avoid this controversy altogether. Uh but they don't seem to either either they realize it and don't care or they don't even realize it.
0: Here is Odell Beckham explaining what happened with the please. Got to know your
1: situation, know who you are, where you are, um, and know that they're going to tell us
2: to take them off regardless. Even though, you know, I've seen people in cleats that are a completely different color from them team and they can wear them all game on a primetime game. And for some reason, when it comes to me, it just is not the case. So, um, like I said, I have a deal that the cleats from July, it's already set for the schedule whenever I find out the jersey and they just switched it at the last minute. So I didn't have anything to wear.
0: So apparently, breach the Browns changed their jerseys at the last minute, which may or may not have led to the fact that we got brown on brown crime in this game, or or autumn on autumn crime um, in terms of the jerseys, and that caused Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry to be in uh, violation of the matter. I would also point out and jump on this whenever you want, but um, Odell Beckham was not standing; was like purposely standing far away from Baker Mayfield. Um, and apparently yelled something as he left the field.
3: Wait, Odell was wearing orange shoes or gold?
0: Gold was Jarvis. Odell was wearing Joker shoes, I believe. They were white, I believe, at some point. White right? Joker shoes with like a little pop-up thing.
3: Okay, okay. So this, this is just so absurd because like there's no way. Does Odell not know any rules? Because you would think of if there is one person in the NFL who understands the league dress code at this point, it would absolutely be Odell Beckham because he's violated it so many times. And you know it's going to cause a stir. You know you can't wear Joker cleats. I don't care what uniforms the Browns are wearing, whether it's brown, white, orange. You can't wear Joker cleats with your uniform because it doesn't match the uniform. Joker is like red, green, and purple and no one in the NFL has a red, green, and purple color scheme unless we're like mishmashing the Chiefs with the Packers and the Ravens. So I don't know where he thinks these cleats would ever fit in, and this was after he had the whole thing with his watch where you're just not allowed to wear a watch because it could hurt someone. It Literally, a watch could hurt someone on the football field. It's a sensible rule, and he has to know these rules, and the fact that he like pouts about it after the game like, oh, the league's out to get me. It's not like they just wrote the rule yesterday so that he couldn't wear cleats. These rules have been there, so it, it seems silly that he keeps doing these little violations like you guys already said the fact that they're losing, it just piles on and makes them look uh,
0: careless and it, it's just, well, a, it, a disaster. Were the Browns wearing their Color Rush uniforms tonight?
2: Their are due to Rush uniforms. I don't know if that was officially what they were called. Well, but-
0: back in September, they announced that their primary colors for 2019 would be their Color Rush uniforms. And so um I wonder if it's possible that when they changed – they um, this is, yeah, rem- but why does he have to have a pair of shoes for every week? Just wear, well, he, he, he said, and like, he explained basically that he went out and like sat down with Nike and scripted out his shoe. Just wear some damn shoes that fit, bro. Your team is two and five. You're limping along. It looks like Dave Gettleman made the right move in shipping you out somehow, despite the Giants being terrible as well. So here's a simple idea. Tell, call Nike and say, I need some plain white cleats that I can wear on Sunday when we try to get a freaking win instead of losing again and looking like a terrible team. And as I pout on the sidelines, because my quarterback missed me because the offensive line sucks and the head coach doesn't know how to get me in position mm-hmm. to properly utilize my talents. Right. And real
3: quick. I think we made it clear. So I just want to make this clear because this game only went to about 2% of the country since it was two, two and five teams. Uh, the Browns were wearing all Brown and the Broncos were wearing their orange jerseys because this is rare that you both wear your colored jerseys. It hadn't been done since the Bills' the first year of color rush in 2015, and it looked so dumb that they just got rid of it. So both teams were wearing colored jerseys, and I guess the Browns were originally going to wear white and then got approved to wear brown uh within the past week. And so that is how we ended up with one team wearing brown and one team wearing orange. And by the way,
1: up until this season, Odell was averaging 10.5 targets per game with the Giants – uh this year it's down to eight. So he's averaging two fewer targets per game, which adds up a lot over the course of the year. And it's not even about, oh, Gettleman made a right decision, because I don't even know if we can say that. It's more just you gave up a first-round pick for this guy because he's one of the league's best receivers, and for whatever reason, you're just not using him right.
0: They're not even, like, force-feeding him.
2: He's not <laughs> complaining, by the way. He's doing a lot of stupid things with the watches and the shoes, but he's not whinging about not getting targets, and he should
3: be.
0: I feel like there's a... blow up coming though
3: if you asked odell tomorrow who he would rather play with baker mayfield or eli manning what do you think he'd say
0: eli serious question i'm dead serious who who would he rather play with baker mayfield or daniel jones well daniel jones but eli too because eli threw him the ball
1: i was gonna say would he rather be coached by freddie kitchens or mcadoo
2: (laughs) nobody
3: wants to work for mcadoo Uh, he's not even the coach anymore guys he got fired
2: he should be the
0: next. Exactly, we're, like, not, we're not going back in time. Surely he doesn't want. I mean, um Pat Shermer. They didn't get along. They they hated each other. No, he tried to Shurmur- at least. They like, made
1: the playoffs once, and but that was the whole boating, and he let him go to Miami and get on a boat and all that. that so
0: boating thing wasn't a thing. Um, by the way, we didn't even talk about Denver. Uh, Noah Fant. Look, oh, oh, breach. This is okay. Uh, what's the deal with the uh the Twitter the the Browns player on Twitter?
3: Oh, uh, Whitehead! He went off and started threatening people.
0: Yeah, he basically said he was going to like beat everybody up, but maybe not in that nice way. And the Browns have said, "Then this is another great thing." They're like, "So after the game, Whitehead goes on and find he's like searching his name on Twitter and he's replying to people like and like in ways that are like crazy. Like he can't say this as a as a like a person, a professional football player to random like people on Twitter. He's like saying he's going to like beat their butts and like."
3: Uh here's an exact quote from one that I'll leave out the cuss word. I'm gonna kill you. B I T ba ba ba. That's on blood. That's legit tweet from a, an NFL player. Jermaine Whitehead threatening to kill fast, someone.
0: He me another was like, "Here's the address of the Browns facility. Come on down. And let's go." And it's like He what? said, "I'm dressed up like Freddie Kitchens. Come punch me in the face, I dare you." <laughs> I mean, like, what are you doing, dude? You can't do that. And the Browns issued a statement where they're like, "We uh do, you know, we do not approve of anything. We are uh, extremely unacceptable. We will handle it internally." It's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure the kangaroo court with Captain Freddie Kitchens is going to take care of this internally, and everything will be fine. They'll no, be is- running, running wind sprints. This team is a train wreck, and they need to blow it all up for the fifteenth time. And 15- it's
1: also like. It's really funny to me that so many people, including me, bought into the Browns. and Not me. I actually Not went you. back and I looked at – I did I gave, I gave coaching grades when all the decisions were made. And I think I gave the Browns like an A- minus for kitchens. It's just like – and I wasn't alone in thinking that. Like we all thought this was the move
0: that made no, sense. No, you didn't. You did. A don't lot of
1: people did, Ryan. You don't – okay. Ryan was the only one who didn't like the
0: move. The, but, uh, well, I've got people retweeting something where I was like this has been a perfect setup for – John Dorsey because, I mean, the Steelers lost Bell and Brown. The Ravens' defense is gutted. Um, you know, they trade for Odell, and and it was like the Browns are the favorites in the division. People are like, oh, this team held up well. It's like, no, it did hold up well. All that stuff happened, and they were the favorites. Now they're just crapping their pants, like I said they would before the season. Okay, we got to take a break because we have nine more games to get to. Uh yeah, That's right, nine more, baby. Nine times. Uh, after the break, we will dive into the rest of the games and explain what happened on a day when the NFC North, including the Chicago Bears, got swept. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes
4: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right. So the NFC North, not a great day for them. I mean, I guess it's better for them than the Browns. Um, The Vikings. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a bad loss for Minnesota. Minnesota had a chance to really take advantage of everyone else in the division messing up. They got the Chiefs in Arrowhead with no Patrick Mahomes. Go in there, play great defense, run the ball effectively, get out with a win. They couldn't do it. Uh, Harrison Butker, 20, uh, uh, field goal at the end of the game gives the Chiefs a 26-23 win. The Chiefs cover plus five and a half. The over 46 hits at the last minute. Um, Kirk Cousins was actually the top fantasy guy with 26 points. Um, what, Sean, what would you say your big takeaway is here? Is it that, is it more, is this more about the Chiefs or more about the Vikings?
1: I think it's more about the Vikings. However, my biggest takeaway is that Andy Reid is really damn good at this. Like, he has – no coach has any business getting these numbers and this level of productivity out of Matt Moore, who wasn't even supposed to play football this year and had given up on playing football he's entirely.
0: He high school football like 12 weeks ago.
1: And he's going 25 or 35 for 275 yards, 8 yards per attempt, and a touchdown against – I get the Vikings defense hasn't been as good as they have been in years past, but it's, it's still a Mike Zimmer defense with a lot of really talented players. And he is, he made a throw like, this is the thing is, this isn't even all Andy Reed. One of his touchdown, or was, it might've been a touchdown to Tyreek Hill downfield. That is a throw that looked Mahomes-esque. It was. It was yes. And Matt Moore has no business being this good. And yet he somehow is. And it's, I think it's such a testament to Andy Reed. He has so many noticeable flaws. We know that we don't have to go over it. Um, but he is so good at what he does, which is getting the most out of an offense. And the thing about the Vikings is that it's all the worst fears coming to fruition about how Kirk Cousins playing a good team, and especially when they are trailing in the fourth quarter. Uh, Kirk Cousins, when trailing in the fourth quarter— Uh, As a Vikings quarterback has lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Bears, lost to the Packers, lost to the Bears, lost to the Seahawks, lost to the Patriots, lost to the Bears, lost to the Saints, lost to the Rams, lost versus the Bills, tied against the Packers. I don't know if you remember that tie.
0: Simple uh, (laughs) 0-9-1.
1: That tie against the Packers should have been a loss. That was that Clay Matthews penalty. Um, I don't know if you guys remember all that. Those teams Matthews pretty, all those
0: teams you listed off are pretty good. So I'm not Right, gonna... but my point is they've
1: never won uh, when trailing in the fourth quarter with Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah, it's concerning. He, But he gave him a lead in this game. He marched him down the field and led him to a touchdown and gave him a lead, and then Mike Zimmer got conservative.
1: According okay. to stats and info, he was also 0-9 when he was under pressure. Which again, what was, uh, uh, what was Kirby
2: narrative. yelling about when he came off the field and said, I'm trying. What was that about?
0: I don't know. I, don't, I assume he was trying. <laughs> yeah, he was trying, he tried pretty hard. Uh, he did look very good. The win, I think there was a lot of wind in that game. He sailed a bunch of passes. Um, Garrett Bradbury got pushed around, as you guys like to point out. Um, not a great Who is
3: Garrett Bradbury again? His... Yeah. of the year. Two holding penalties.
0: The <laughs> so Vikings got real conservative. The Vikings, should, the Vikings should have won this game handily. I'm on, sorry. on the
3: Vikings final two drives of the game. So both pretty big because one of them, They had the lead, and they could have run out the clock if they just got a single first down, which they did not do because they went three and out and gained zero yards. Then the Chiefs kicked a field goal, and then the Vikings got the ball back and could have potentially driven for a game-winning score, but they did not because, again, they went three and out. So we're talking about fourth quarter trailing like Sean's talking about, and also this is a clutch situation for Kirk Cousins. What did he do on these two drives? He went one of four for negative seven yards. That is embarrassing, and they're not going to win if he can't perform against good teams in the clutch, which he clearly cannot do. Britton, I'm sorry. I'm just throwing your Super Bowl pick under the bus in week nine, but here I am doing it.
2: I just want to point out before we move on my man, Sammy Watkins, seven catches,
0: 63 yards. He's going to tear a hamstring. He'll be out for a while, so it's not a big deal. Real quick about the Chiefs. Um, how, about, just, how about Tyreek Hill, the fact that this dude has, <laughs> catches 140 yards and a touchdown and remains a fantasy monster despite no Patrick Mahomes. And she
2: get an additional 91 yards for tracking down Damian Williams on Damian Williams' touchdown. <laughs> was incredible.
0: It's like Damian Williams is like dead-ass sprint down the field as fast as he can, and Tyreek just like taps a little like booster button. And it's that
2: was amazing.
3: And Andy Reid, this is the 11th time in his career, 11th season, he has won games with at least two quarterbacks in the same season. That's a fun
1: fact. It was also nice. It was nice to see Chris Jones back and dominating. Um, he destroyed the interior of the Vikings offense, offensive line. And it's just a reminder that the Chiefs have been banged up besides Mahomes since about week two when they lost Eric Fisher and they lost obviously Tyron Kill in week one. So to me, like, the rest of the division is not that good. The Raiders are the second-best team. The Chiefs don't have to worry about the Raiders. This is the kind of team that they might not get a top-two seed, I would I would say, with the way the Ravens and Patriots are playing. But if they can just peak at the right time, which I feel like they might because everyone is getting healthier and healthier.
0: You can run on them. Can, okay. can All you? Right. Dalvin Cook didn't play that well. The the Vikings' offensive game plan in the first half was terrible. It was so bo- it was so boring and predictable. And then they started to really utilize him. I mean, he had 21 carries for 70, 71 yards. Not great. Um, they just didn't. It was it, it was a bad offensive game plan, I thought. But you can run on this team. I mean, you can. All right, moving along to the. Oh yeah, your. Chicago Bears! Dun, 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 dun. I don't know what noise I'm playing, but you know what? The Bears lost again. They fell at three and five. They're going to have – here's a fun fact for you, Ryan. Mm. Fun fact, the pick that the Bears give the Raiders is going to be better than the pick that the Raiders have themselves.
2: That's a sad commentary on where we're at with the Chicago Bears. I don't know what's going on with Matt Nagy. I don't know what's going on. I know what's going on with Mr. Biskey. He's just terrible, and that's the, the cold hard truth. They don't have a first-round pick to sort of alleviate the problem now. Maybe it's for the the best, so Ryan Pace can't mess that up. I don't know what you do next year, but I don't know what you do for the rest of the season. Do you turn to Chase Daniel? Uh, I don't, I'm don't i guessing they didn't inquire about Andy Dalton. As Breach pointed out last week, the, uh, the Bengals didn't put Dalton on the trading block until 12 seconds before the, the trade deadline ended. <laughs> so there was no easy solution there. I don't know what you do. You're wasting this defense. They finally decided to run the ball with Dave Montgomery and mix things up in the second half, which was good for my fantasy team. But this team sucks. I mean, this team is a complete and utter joke. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what else you say about it.
0: By the way, the final score was 22 to 14. That sort of belies with the actual, like, game flow. Of this. Whoa.
3: Can Sean give us a breakdown of the first half of that, the? Bears yeah, yeah. No, no That's I mean
0: exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like last year, I was I was speaking with Warren Sharp about this during the during the game. Is like last year, the Bears were a first half cover machine, and Matt Nagy would have all these great scripted drives, and Trubisky would be winging the ball early, and then they'd sort of shell up. This year, they suck in the first half.
1: So at halftime, the Bears had two first downs. They had run twenty plays.
0: And actually, not- actually, you know what? That two first downs is incorrect. Because Mitchell, I mean, technically, I guess it's correct. Mitchell Trubisky ran for a first down and they got, it got the first down and then was, uh, the, the Eagles were flagged for a personal foul and they counted that one as the gotcha, second. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. like That's not really a second. No, no, I, I know
1: what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they had one play that netted a first down. Yeah. 20 total plays for nine yards that came on six drives. They were averaging f- 0.4, not four, 0. 0.4 yards per play and they had one passing yard at halftime. This was an all-time horrific half of offensive football that, like, look, I've seen, like, Jimmy Clausen and Mike Glennon start games under John Fox. Like, I've seen bad offensive football as a Bears fan. Hey, was Sean, this,
2: this, was this, this is was this, the worst total yards in the first half in 40 years.
0: Was this worse than the game in Seattle?
1: The the punt, 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 turnover, downs, like, Clausen game? Yeah. I think so in terms of actual yards. I think the Bears actually got some first downs in that game. Wow. The one thing I'll do say is that I think this game was also a pretty poor reflection on the Eagles because they should have any good team is up in this game twenty eight nothing at halftime and it doesn't get interesting late. The Eagles let the Bears hang around. It was twelve nothing at halftime uh, with twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was a nineteen fourteen game and the Bears had the ball to go potentially try to win the game. And I, Montgomery I like, dropped.
0: By the way, I like that you like you like. The, the Patriots were never really in that game. You're like, but the Bears were very close to getting into Like, the, this thing. The Bears were
1: down by five, had the ball, and David Montgomery uh, drops the screen with 40 yards of space in front of him. I'm not saying the Bears deserved to win this game. I'm saying they should have been completely out of it at halftime, and the Eagles couldn't finish drives. And the Eagles you can let say the
2: that about the 49ers and the, and the Cardinals on Thursday. I don't think anyone's saying the Cardinals –
1: well, I because well, idea. what's the 49ers' record? I would say the 49ers are a better football team than the five and four Eagles. I'm I, saying I, I look at this Eagles team and they don't look that good to me.
0: It okay. looks like I mean, it looks like the Eagles. I mean, the, I, I watched most of this game. The Eagles were up 19 nothing and basically just kind of called the dogs off. For like, all right, there's no way Trubisky's going to score 20 points on this, right? I mean, yeah.
1: and the, yeah, but you don't want to be in a situation where you're suddenly up
0: 19 14. I'm not suggesting it was good coaching, but like they weren't wrong. Trubisky couldn't score 20 points.
2: By the way, um. Our buddy Kevin Clark from The Ringer tweeted this out, and it actually something else that makes a ton of sense and sort of confusing about where Matt Nagy's head is right now. He he tweeted, "Uh, it's strange to me when a coach like Nagy has success, which he did last year, and then starts coaching scared. The success last year means you have more job security, not less. Stop being weird and let it rip. Like I, I think that Matt Nagy is so in his own head because he's trying to figure out how to solve Trubisky, and there's just no solving that Rubik's Cube. 10 for
0: 125 yards, Breach. What do you do? Do you blow it up and you trade Trubisky for Dalton this offseason?
3: You get rid of Trubisky. I mean, I think that's the only thing you can do. It's about Ryan Pace saying, hey, guys, I really, really, really messed this up. You remember how uh I took Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? Remember how I did all that scouting and somehow decided that Mitchell Trubisky, who started for one year, was better than these other two guys? When literally – that got panned. That pick got panned as soon as it happens. Not like we're all doing in hindsight, knocking Ryan Pace. Nobody thought that was a good pick when it happened. It's already blown up in his face, and and I, I feel like since they went to the playoffs last season, that's kind of him justifying. We don't need to blow this up. This is this this year. We'll be back in the playoffs next year. It, they just need to make a decision and get rid of Trubisky.
0: I mean, they I, have to, they have to play him next year. He's on his rookie contract. No, you can trade him. him. They're yeah, not, why do you, they're not why do you have to play him? Next year. They're, they, there's no way they
1: they're, can They're signing some guy in the office because they can't. They don't have the picks to get an actual quarterback who can start right away. They are going to sign some if It's going to be
3: loaded. Mariota's going to be a free agent. Dalton's going to be a free agent. There'll be a lot of quarterbacks to choose from.
2: By the or, way, you can't just say you, you have to play him because of his contract. Because yeah. I was connected. What would Bill Belichick do? Would Bill Belichick try out this Steaming pile of poop and, and put him out there because he has to. I mean, I you know we don't know
0: because Bill Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know. I mean, the, the Steelers are shoving Mason Rudolph down our throats, and he sucks too. Yeah, but he's winning. That's the difference. No, he's not. Win- okay, all
1: right.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: Bears, <laughs> you hate
1: to see it. The Bears, what the the Bears will they will actually do? As Bree said, they're going to sign someone because there's a lot of those types of fringy starters and then they're gonna say okay we're gonna have an actual competition, and, competition. yeah and then that that's what's gonna happen
0: you sign mariota it's an open competition right do do they pick up a, they i think they will pick up his fifth year option this off season. and are right. you gonna cut him before the season starts well no, but yeah 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 i mean like then you just hope he doesn't get hurt in 2020 but then you have him for. I mean, they did. I mean, the Bucks did it with Jameis, the You know, the the Titans did it with Mariota. Like the the, the the Bears will do it because if Ryan Pace cuts bait on this guy, he might get fired.
2: If you look, he's getting fired now or later. So the question is, when do you want to get fired? He's a if, if you if you keep him,
0: he's the Executive of the Year last year. What a clown!
1: This just goes to show, like all these Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year awards, like. In reality, it would always go to Bill Belichick and whatnot, but it's always just so – like Ryan has said before, it feels like there's like five good coaches in the, in the rest of the league, and the rest is just fluky based off the way the bounces go and who wins games. And the Bears got bounces last year, and they're not getting them this year.
0: Uh, Zach Ertz finally helped people out. Nine catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. He was heavily targeted. Jordan Howard ran the ball very effectively. 19 carries, 82 yards, one touchdown. Miles Sanders averaged 4.2 yards per rush. I do think this Eagles team – I I know Sean, you poo-pooed them. I think they're at least interesting from the perspective of, um, they can, they're good in the trenches, right? Uh, and they have their bye before they play the Patriots at home too. So both teams get a bye.
1: For what it's worth, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I don't hate the Eagles. I just, I'm disappointed that they're not a great team.
0: Mm. The Bears only had
3: 19 minutes and something seconds of possession this game, 1942, which is mind-blowing because there's only one other team in the NFL that's gone under 20 minutes time possession this year. And it was the Miami Dolphins in week one, and they lost the Ravens 59 to 10. So think how crappy your team has to play <laughs> to have the ball for under 20 minutes. And that is what Mitchell Trubisky did in the first half of this game. Like that alone, it says, get rid of them, just move on.
0: By the way, as Debo helpfully points out in his optimistic Eagles ways, uh, the, the Eagles had the Patriots and Seahawks at home and then close with, check this out, at Dolphins, Giants, at Redskins, Cowboys, at Giants. Ooh, yeah, yeah. you like that's to a, see it. That's a potential four to five wins, you know, after the bye. And if you're the Eagles, you're you're sitting at five right now. You can get a, to nine or ten wins. A
1: really good team or two, and the NFC is going to miss the playoffs. For sure, there's so many wild card contenders right now. I,
0: I will say real quick
3: that we just did our mid season predictions where we re-picked who's going to win the divisions. And me and Locke and Fora were the only two that picked the Eagles to win the NFC East.
0: Congratulations. They're in second place. Uh, uh,
3: I just Be- want to suck up the Debo real quick. Debo, I'm on the bandwagon.
0: The Bears close with the Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. Oh, Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. Welcome to top five pick town that you won't get to see, Show. <laughs> Moving along to the final team that got blasted in the uh, division. Whoo, the Green Bay Packers got served a pile of humble pie, Ryan. 26 to 11. The Los Angeles Chargers feel rivers beat them bad. Mike Williams three catches 111 yards. Hunter Henry seven catches 84 yards. Rivers 21 to 28 for 294. And Melvin Gordon ran awesome. Anthony Lynn was aggressive. Uh, I don't even know who the stain stain stitch or whatever the name is. Shane, Shane Staken, 34 year old offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was, uh, he called a great game. Everyone on that team, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa were back. They rushed the crap out of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, everyone, everyone on that team, uh, was, uh, was aggressive. And Joey Bosa actually had an interesting little comment here.
4: We knew it was going to be a big challenge with their tackles, their line,
3: and obviously, uh, Aaron, the way he can move around. And he definitely hurt us a few times.
4: Uh, man, he, he knows how to keep the ball alive. It's unbelievable, but
0: didn't do today. Excuse me. <laughs> He said that to uh, uh, Steve Weiss of NFL Network. Aaron didn't do bleep. Um, And he didn't. The Packers were completely ineffective, Ryan, for most of this game until late when they tried to make it interesting against a prevent defense. Let's see. The first five possessions ended in punts for the
2: Packers. And on those five possessions, they had four first downs. Then they had a field goal, a touchdown. And then the game ended on downs. They turned the ball over. I have no idea how this ha- – like I don't know what happened to this Packers team. We were talking about them as one of the best teams in the NFC literally 24 hours ago.
4: <laughs> they are no longer
2: one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean they can certainly bounce back, but I don't know what to make of this because this is so out of left field. And I do wonder if there's some regression into the Matt LaFleur-Aaron Rodgers dynamic, at least in terms of the offense. I also don't want to make this in terms of Phillip Rivers because we don't know which Charger team is going to show up from one week to the next. He could throw 18 interceptions next week, and I would I would believe that if you told me that now um i have more faith in the packers going forward but at the end of the day i mean this is a terrible loss and it, it taken in a vacuum it's a good thing they play in the in the nfc north because every other team as we as we pointed out
1: have ryan them. ryan saying he doesn't want to hear about philip rivers reminds me of the kevin office clip philip 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 i'm All sick right. of hearing about damn philip
2: yeah because pretty- uh uh brinson kept playing that clip when the uh the Chargers
0: beat the Steelers last year. That was very good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I would just say that, um, I, it, it really did look like, uh, you know, like when somebody in your office, I mean, we haven't, I guess this hadn't happened in a while because we all work on the internet, but like, you know, when somebody like, like, like if Sean got fired or if, let's say like if Ryan got fired tomorrow or Sean gets fired tomorrow, um, or like Breach gets fired, um, or you get fired. Uh, please, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, if, uh, if, like one, of, if one of the four of us got fired tomorrow, it was like, like that next podcast we did would be popping. I mean, it would be tight. Like people would, people would be like. Bring in their A gate, like their A material, fastballs would be flying all over the place. Ryan would be like in a tie for the video show, reading like notes off a teleprompter while discussing, uh, you know, the uh, Bayesian theories of uh, probabilities and how to approach it late game and and why Andy Reid didn't adhere to them. Stuff like that. It would be out of control. And that's what this game felt like. Like the Chargers were so crisp because Ken Wizard Hunt was fired. It was just basically a wake up call for everybody involved. Um, Melvin Gordon ran his tail off. He looked, he looked, he like, the preseason, it looked like the first few games were his preseason. They were much more creative in the run game. They utilized Austin Eckler more. Uh, Rivers was sharp as hell. They, they, Russell Kuhn was back and they blocked. They couldn't stop Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram light up on the same side. Uh, the Packers couldn't. And, and really the Packers kind of came in and sleptwalk, I thought, breach.
3: Yeah. And it's funny because usually when you have a sacrificial lamb, you're a coach, you get desperate, you have to fire someone so that you don't get fired. And that's almost what it felt like, is why are you firing Ken Wisenhut 24 hours after you won a game? They beat the Bears. And so you clearly feel that something has to change. And this literally justifies everything they did. I mean, the Chargers' offense looked like a 180. It made Aaron Rodgers look like Mitchell Trubisky. That's what I felt like I was watching watching this game. So I, I think that if you're the Chargers, you have to feel a lot better about the division now. Uh, the Chiefs are six and three, you're four and five, you still play Kansas City, you can beat them. Uh is that a no? It, I, I mean no, I, I think it, offense, I think it's interesting. Their offense is gelling at the right time. They know what they're doing. I feel like uh maybe didn't have a good pulse on what needed to happen for that offense to work, but look, they they ran the ball thirty eight times. That's Ken Wisnhunt wasn't calling thirty eight run plays before.
1: It's funny that Breach said he felt like he was watching the Bears and Trubisky because this Packers offense was so bad through most of this game that I was thinking, like, are they having a worse game than the Bears offense was having? (laughs) And, and, like, we rightfully clowned on the Bears offense as we should have. The the Bears finished with 3.9 yards per play. The Packers, by the way, were at 3.8. So that's how bad their offense was is that they actually um, were on the Bears level of bad.
2: Hey, Breach, can I ask you a question? Yes. Yes. What was more embarrassing, the uh, Packers offensive performance or that Chargers kicker, Michael, Michael Badgley, trademarked money bagging?
3: The Muddy Badger? That's the awesomest nickname ever. And, and th- But, th- field but field. And then he missed a field goal and then he went out and missed a kick, which is humiliating.
0: Well, right? He 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 kicked really well for the early part of the game, but then, um, with the, uh, Packers by two, uh, two scores, the, uh, he missed that field goal and, and uh, and, and, um, Jim Nance goes, uh-oh. Robert, he, missed, he
3: missed the field Robert, but It would have put the game away because the the yeah, Chargers were up two scores. Would have made a three score game.
0: And he just, he uh, missed, but he missed it. Remo goes, uh oh. No, <laughs> Nance goes, uh oh. And River goes, this is where it starts. And it was like you like cuts to Philip. Super cut to Philip Rivers, who's just like on the sidelines, like steam coming out of his ears screaming, "Gosh darn it!" All over the place. Um. By the way, I thought that uh, on that drive where the Chargers scored their last touchdown. I was really surprised by uh and I I and I'm curious to know how um how aggressive this gets because they took a shot to Mike Williams. Like they were up in the game, right? I mean like they like they were up uh I believe the score was 19 to 3, right? And they could have just Run the ball a couple times, melted clock, and ended it. And they took a deep shot to Mike Williams, and he catches it. And Rivers is going nuts. And then they get down there and they kick a field goal. The the Packers are gone off sides, and Rivers is pointing out. He's like, "That gets us close enough. That's we're close enough. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to try and go." Anthony Lynn's like trying to figure it out. They accept the penalty and go, despite the fact that the field goal made it a three possession game. And at that point, it made it twenty six to three. And the game was ostensibly over at that point. Right? I mean, you know, like if, if they get stuffed there, it's 19-3 to 3 with um, 10 minutes left. And so I, I don't know. I just felt like they were much more aggressive and much more confident. You just don't, you didn't see that out of them over the last month. I mean, yeah. One of those
2: things, you don't, you don't, these teams don't do it early in the season, but when their backs are against the wall, as you point out, maybe they were sitting up straighter in the meetings this week. They're, they're like, all right, let's try this thing, because this is what all the nerds say we should do instead of just playing from our gut. So, but I mean, also,
3: yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ryan.
2: No, that's it. I mean, it just perplexing.
3: I, I, I was just going to say, it, it really felt like Wiznut got confused having both Melvin Gordon and Austin Network. He didn't know how to split the load. They weren't running enough. Like, you're, you're carrying it 20 times. Am I giving Austin Network six carries and, and giving Melvin Gordon 14? How am I splitting this up? And then they just decided, screw it. We're going to give, we're going to do 50 carries so that both of them are getting over 10. And because both these guys are talented, both these guys need to be touching the ball. Uh, and I did mention earlier they had 38 attempts as the first time since they've moved to Los Angeles that they've had that many attempts.
0: Yep. All right. Let's move along. I told Devo we get down a certain time. It's not happening. Oh, boy. Uh,
4: uh,
0: it's fine. We're just going to be in trouble. Raiders 31, Lions 24. The Raiders cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, the over 51 hit fairly easily. Matthew Stafford had a huge game, finished with 30 fantasy points. Um, Sean, what do you think of Daryl Bevel's, uh, goal line play call?
1: I mean, it, it sucks because I've been singing his praises about how he's rejuvenated Matthew Stafford, letting him throw the ball downfield. And the funny thing is, is that they would have been better off if John Gruden hadn't called a timeout. For those who didn't watch it, they were st- at the one yard line, was it two yard line, one yard line, um, had well, fourth
0: no, t- one, eight they seconds.
1: got, well, they got stopped and the clock is ticking at 10 seconds and they're scrambling trying to get organized a play and they, they were going to have enough time to snap the ball. So they would, get, sure. they were going to get one play off, but it wasn't really going to be that organized. And John Gruden calls a timeout and everyone's like, why is he calling timeout? The problem is, is that the Lions, before they called that timeout, had Kenny Galladay on the field and they had Marvin Jones on the field who, completely balled uh, the entire game. Gallaudet, four catches, 132 yards. Marvin Jones, eight catches, 126 yards. Raiders had no answers for them. After the timeout, they don't even bring them on the field. They run this play-action pass to their third-string tight end, and the ball was actually kind of – it was a tough catch, but it was catchable – but
0: it's your third-string tight end. Why are you throwing to him? Running play it's, action out of Jumbo on fourth and one with eight seconds. It
1: was like a slow-developing, like, long fake two. And Stafford turns around, and he has the pass rusher in his face and just has to kind of throw up a prayer.
0: The, this guy's playing at an MVP level. He's winging the ball everywhere. He stood at 26 of 41 for 406 yards, three touchdowns. He is balling out for weeks and months, and you run that crap? That's like... Whatever the – that's you, you it's almost like the, the guy who called that play call is the same guy who didn't run Marshawn Lynch in the goal line during the Super Bowl with the Seahawks.
2: I would just point out, and I've, maybe I've mentioned this once or twice before, Jim Caldwell, 9-7, and seven, back-to-back years, got fired. <laughs> My guy Matt Patricia is now 9-14-1, won six games last year. Three games this year, they're not doing great. Oh, one more thing I want to point out that I mentioned, and I'll be honest, I was half-joking when I mentioned it in, uh, during training camp, I started training camp on the podcast. I said, watch out, Hunter Renfro, it's going to have more catches than Antonio
0: Brown. Hunter Renfro is actually having a better season than Antonio Brown. Way better season. I, started in, I had to act him in a practice squad in the Dynasty League to start him this week in the fantasy.
2: And we like to make fun of John Gruden for being a like a an overwrought goober, but their draft class is actually sneaky pretty good. Hunter Renfro has been a big help. Josh Jacobs, obviously, is having a big year. Foster Moreau caught a touchdown. Max Crosby's uh, adding some pass rush help because Cleveland Farrell isn't able to do it. So, I mean, we actually – the Raiders deserve some credit for for the season they're having when we sort of all clown them for being a one- or two-win team. I
0: think the Raiders can make it to the playoffs. I think, think we
2: need
3: – we, We're getting close to where we have to apologize to Derek Carr. We're like three weeks away from that. The, he I'm, I'm he, he is, track. This was my favorite game of, of Sunday. Um
1: because I thought both quarterbacks were obviously awesome and both quarterbacks I think are playing at levels higher than a lot of people are giving credit for. Now Carr has not been as good as Stafford, but I think Carr is playing better than he even played during that kind of MVP year where he got hurt. Um, uh, in the first five, five years of his career, he was averaging 6.7 yards per attempt, which was a pretty big criticism against him. He always checks it down, not willing to stand in there entering this game. He was averaging a full yard attempt more 7.7. Uh and in this game, he was at 9.3, and he was winged downfield. He was obviously well-protected, which for him matters a lot. Uh, but he's playing incredible, and I think that for all the criticism we've given John Gruden, John Gruden as Ryan just mentioned, about whether it be like personnel moves and trades, I actually think he's a pretty good offensive coach, and he's getting the most out of his quarterback right now. Uh, and as Breach said, uh, kind of making all of us look a little bit silly because Carr's actually playing legitimately good.
0: Last three games for uh, Derek Carr, 67.4% completion, 289 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. This is the first home game since September 15th. Um, their next three games, the next four games, excuse me. No, next three games. Thursday at home against the Chargers. As we pointed out in the YouTube exclusive, you can watch the Chargers. The, the Raiders are one-and-a-half-point favorites there. I think everyone will probably be on the Chargers because of how good they looked against the Packers, but maybe not. Um then they get the Bengals at home. They're going to throttle the Bengals at the Jets. So I mean, like, it's not crazy to think the Raiders will be seven and four when we when we head in December. That's in that's in, with a game against the Chiefs coming. I mean, that's pretty wild. Yeah. The Colts and Steelers play the game. Ryan celebrated again as the Minka Fitzpatrick pick to the Dolphins falls further and further. Steelers twenty-six, Colts twenty-four. Heartbreak for John Breach as Adam Vinatieri cold stone shanks a field goal to the left at the end of the game. Um, Jacoby Brissett left with a knee injury. Will now undergo more, further evaluation. It's being considered a sprain. They hope it's an MCL, which probably mean two to three weeks, based on my preliminary medical evaluation. That's right. Steelers covered the over 40 easily hit. Brian Hoyer, your top fantasy performer. Um, Ryan. Are you willing to accept now that the Steelers are going to make a run in this division and the playoffs? No, I'm not going to let you jinx it, but I
2: will tell you this. Your your gag, <laughs> Jalen Samuels, NC State star, mm. day three pick last year for the Steelers, now holds the record for most receptions by a running back in Steelers history. He broke Le'Veon Bell's mark of 12 receptions set in 2017. Unfortunately, they worked him so much that on the thirteenth reception, he fumbled the ball because he was probably exhausted from doing all, all the heavy lifting.
0: I mean, Mason Mason's just like like he would run; they would run Samuels out somewhere, and he would just like glue onto him and like dump it down. Yeah, he he played well. Um,
2: all things considered, Mason didn't play terribly. He had the sack uh, the sack safety in the end zone, which I don't know what he, he had a, a brain freeze there. But in the first series, he he threw a, he completed a third down pass to Juju Smith-Schuster on a third and long, hit him right in the hands, and he somehow dropped it. It was an interception. wasn't his fault. I will say this: this team is a lot of fun to watch on defense. The offense is sort of blah with with Mason Rudolph. But we mentioned Mika Fitzpatrick. He now has four interceptions since coming over in Week Three, I believe, is when he came over.
0: I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be willing to concede that that was a good trade. Well, right now,
2: as I mentioned, our buddy Adam Beasley, they have the 16th pick from the Steelers, so it's the middle of the first-round pick. That is a steal for Micah Fitzpatrick. I said a top 10, like 10 or lower, 10 to 32. Is it's
0: a top uh, 10 pick. I'm not going to give it to you. Anything after 15, yeah, it's a win.
2: 15 for sure, but I, I, like I said, Micah Fitzpatrick would be the first defensive back drafted in this draft class, I feel like. Anyway, he solidifies back the defense. Bud Dupree's in his um, uh, option here. He's playing out of his mind. T.J. Watt is currently the best Watt. Uh, playing in football because jj's uh hurt so a lot of fun to watch Bim, but don't break hoyer played well i mean there's a testament for paying the guy three million uh three years 12 12 million bucks as your third string quarterback came in you had a chance to win they should have won that game and we should mention this mike tomlin has lost his freaking mind when it comes to making terrible challenges <laughs>
0: tomlin is so bad at challenges
2: he should that's why they should have lost that football
0: game mike tomlin challenged back-to-back pass interference calls like and
2: both those um, calls could have gone in the Steelers' favor if we were in a in a just world, but look,
0: <laughs> it's not gonna happen. It's he, not gonna happen. He I mean, like literally on two consecutive plays, he threw a challenge flag on a pass interference situation with like
2: three minutes to go, the Colts final drive, you need timeouts after the two minute warning. He just burned through them. Like he was, (laughs) he he just got paid. He was going to the strip club. It was was, (laughs) money.
1: It was like he had won his first challenge a week ago since 2007, January, 2017. He was like, I got this figured out guys. Like I'm ready. And then, Oh my
0: God. (laughs) Like, Like he, like he like went to the casino and made like 700 bucks. He's like, Well daddy's playing with house money now and went back the next (laughs) night. He's like all of a sudden he's down like seventeen hundred. He's like, Well, I'm only down a thousand. Um the uh he didn't challenge a very obvious situation when Jalen Samuels appeared to get in the end zone for a touchdown. And they settled for a one yard field goal, that's right. Yeah, yeah, or seventeen.
3: Can you imagine being on the Steelers coaching staff and knowing that Mike Tomlin's in charge of your challenges? And and you're just wincing every time there's anything like oh my god please don't let them challenge please don't let them challenge and then you and see the challenge flag on a pass interference you're like my god,
2: and this is why the Steelers will never beat the Patriots and this is why teams like the well I was going to say the, the the Chiefs Any read play calling is spectacular the other stuff not so much but but the Ravens obviously because you cannot make mistakes against teams like the Patriots and expect to win and these kind of mistakes will. Screw you over every single time in games where it matters. So it's fun to watch the Steelers now, but when the games matter, you can't be you can't be burning through two timeouts between the third and second minute of the final drive of the game when you need the timeout after the two-minute warning, and you pray that the 87-year-old kicker honks a 43-yarder for you to win it.
3: Talking about ego breach, if you're talking about Tomlin. No, I was going to talk about the 87-year-old kicker honking a field goal at the end of the game.
2: I think. Um, as you talk about it, is there any scientific proof or is it a mental thing that laces in is a problem?
3: Yes. Laces in is a problem because there's no sweet spot. So like that's the ball will knuckle first of all. And so it could, you know, you watch Mighty Ducks, you see the knuckle puck and it shakes because ideally you want to end over end kick because that's going to cut and go anywhere you want. But if you hit the laces, it's going to turn into a knuckle ball and just kind of do whatever. Uh, that being said, had the, so the, on Benatari's 43 yard kick that would have won the game, the laces were in, uh, Rigoberto Sanchez is their holder and you cannot, if you've seen Ace and Chur, we all know you cannot have the laces in or the kicker will miss and end up in Shady Acres Mental Institute. We don't want that, but that's what happened to Benatari. But the thing is, he shanked that so bad, it didn't matter. If the laces had been correct, laces out, he would have missed that by 15 yards instead of 30 yards. I mean, it was a horrible kick. And the other thing is he had missed an extra point earlier in the game. And it's getting to the point where if you're the Colts, you have to start seriously considering them as a liability. Because, look, week one, they lost the Chargers because of him. Uh, he Uh This is the second loss that you can just pin on him. He did make that 51-yarder against the Broncos. But, great, now you've lost two games because of him and you've won one game. It's not a great trade off. He's been struggling all season, and I know he's a Hall of Famer, but you know, at some point, if you think this is a playoff team, you've got to uh, think about making the move that is the best for your team. Can you imagine if they
1: replace him with like Cody Parkey, who's now <laughs> a free agent again? Like re- replacing the most clutch kicker of all
3: time with Parkey, and that's the problem is that Parkey's like the best available right. free agent right now, and that's what they're thinking in their head: like we cannot cut Adam Vinatieri and sign Cody Parkey. Will we laughed? out of the NFL so I mean that might be something that's holding them back because there just isn't a good free agent out there
0: I think they also like Vinatieri's uh, locker room presence by the way I figured it out Ryan mm-hmm. uh, here's what the Steelers are going to do they're going to beat the Rams this week oh wait oh, wait a second you I just like
1: said how they, you figure this out
0: dude. you said they just had to go one and one in the, and that was I, 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 I know I know but, but no this is what's going to happen now they're going to beat right. the Rams this week then they're going to beat the Browns in Cleveland on Thursday night okay. then they're going to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati because the Bengals are terrible they're going to beat the Browns at home, and everybody's going to be like, "Are the Steelers a playoff team?" And then they're going to go to Arizona and completely crap themselves.
2: Okay, what, what would that put them at then? Like uh, nine
3: and five.
0: Eight and five. Eight and five. I would, if they get to the five hundred, I'll, I'll, I'll take an eight and eight. Series. Eight, eight and five with the Bills, Jets, and Ravens remaining.
1: By the way, uh, Ryan was just spending a lot of time talking about coaches, and he mentioned Brian Hoyer, um, and I was just praising. Andy Reid for what he did for, with Matt Moore, what Frank Wright continues to do is is amazing because Brian Hoyer has no business going 17-26, three touchdowns, and leading what should have been a game-winning drive, and yet he's doing it, and it makes me think that for as good as brissett has been, I'm not taking anything away from him, and for as good of a backup Hoyer is, like, this is more, I think... Frank Reich's system and being able to tailor his offense towards these quarterbacks.
0: Frank Reich's a great coach. Pete Briscoe tried to tell me that Mike Tom's is a better coach than me.
3: Wait, great coach, unless it's field goals. Second time in a row, end of the game, he just ran up the middle three times instead of trying to gain yards. Mm. Right. To set up, he set up the game winning field goal.
0: Alright, uh, 26 to 3, the final in London and the jolly morning. I don't know what I was doing there. The, uh, the morning game, 9.30 <laughs> a.m. Had to tell my wife, I'll see you tonight upstairs at nine at eight do Don't look so excited. Oh, I was thrilled. She was like, uh, what are we gonna do today? I was like, unfortunately there's an AM game. I'll smell you later. Um, gotta be on video right now. As far as you know, 26th of the year. Yeah, whatever. Did you
3: end up smelling her later? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wildly inappropriate. He said it. I was just trying to get some six, clear answers here.
0: Three, the Texans beat the Jaguars. Texans moved to six and three. Jaguars fall to four and five and probably breach in the Gardner Minshew era for at least now. 27 to 47, 309, two interceptions. Deshaun Watson was awesome. And he said that afterwards, uh, it was probably because of all the Popeyes that he ate.
3: <laughs> How's the eye doing? Uh, the eye is great. Uh,
0: you know, I got some.
3: Uh, I tell you the key. The key is it was the Popeye spicy chicken sandwiches that I ate this
0: week oh. that, that helped the eye. So um, I don't know if I believe that, but good good on you for getting that cash, buddy. Um, Popeyes in London? I he's think Deshaun Watson shipped there. Well oh. he's probably just getting paid by Popeyes to promote it.
3: <laughs> it's like it's uh, like when I eat Chick Fil A on Sundays.
0: Is that like the
2: Ladainian Townsend Arby's
0: Steakhouse? <laughs> yeah, how about that? So, by the way, I, but I did some, obviously did some deep dive research Spotlight. on that. Spotlight. Um, yeah, <laughs> Spotlight. yeah. Uh, well, Mark it, Ruffalo. It, there's going to be a pop-up shop in Manhattan at some point on November 7th where Ladanian Tomlinson's RB steakhouse is going to exist. There's only two things on the menu. I think it's basically a promo to sort of release the things, but everyone was kind of freaking out about LT's, uh, RB steakhouse. Do anyway, you know
2: what RB stands for? Do you guys know what that stands for? No.
1: Actually, all oh. oh, this annoys me because I've had it explained to me. Maybe by you, I feel like.
2: It used to be a commercial back in the day. America's Roast Beef, yes, sir. Yes. Come on. Everybody knows that. Arby's. America's Roast Beef, yes, sir. All right, go ahead.
0: Uh, what oh, is should great it, tangent? Should they bench?
3: I had a cat named bench. Arby once. <laughs> but we don't need to go on that tangent. <laughs> what, what did it stand for? The, was it the same acronym? It, it stood for my sister's initials. Their so name names were Rebecca oh. and Ruthie Breach.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, go ahead. <laughs> were, you hoping, were you hoping that Breach could get weirder? Good news! <laughs> Mission um, accomplished. You have a cat with your sister's initials, and his name was Arby. I didn't
3: name the cat. I would not name the cat somebody's initials. That's just ridiculous. Uh
0: Breach, do you think that the Jaguars should bench Minshew? Actually, you know what? I'll ask Ryan instead, because you were going to talk about Arby's. Ryan, <laughs> uh, should the, should the uh, Jaguars... Bench Gardner Minshew for Nick Foles after that game?
2: I wouldn't do it, but, I mean, at this point, they're 4-5. They're tied for last place in the division. What do you have to lose? You paid Nick Foles all that money. He's healthy now. So, obviously, they want to see him. They had no interest in drafting a quarterback high. They wanted to status quo it with the veteran, and that's why they got Nick Foles. So, yeah, roll with them. See what happens. They're 4-5. I mean, they got absolutely treaded by Carlos Hyde, and we already talked about how well Deshaun Watson played because of the Popeyes. Yeah, roll Nick Bowles. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're four and five.
3: But you're only one game out of the wild card spot. So like you got The season's not over. Come on, Ryan. As the resident Jaguars, uh, prediction guy, I just want to say that last week when I thought they were going to win the division title again, this week I do not think that I'm flip flopping, but I do think they should stick with Gardner because there's no reason he's your rookie. You've got him on the cheap contract. He's going to be your quarterback of the future. Maybe you look to flip Foles this off season, but you don't need to put Nick Foles back in there. I mean, if they do, it's not a horrible decision. This isn't like picking between Andy Dalton and Mitchell Trubisky. This is two <laughs> quarterbacks who give you at least a chance to win. But, you know, he's already proven that he can play. He's proven that he can win, except against the Texans today. And, uh you know, I would keep him. And they have three big games that are all winnable coming up against the Colts, Titans, and Buccaneers. Hoyer might be starting for the Colts. And if you win those, all of a sudden you're seven and five and you're right in the thick of the wild card race. Yeah, I'm with Breach. I would play Minshew.
0: Yeah. I It I, won't happen, but I would. I I understand why. I don't think he's had great ball security lately. Um I also think that if, you, if you're if you Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell and you play Minshew and you lose your next four or five games, it becomes really hard to justify that whole Nick Falls contract. And so, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough tightrope to walk. My, uh, are the Texans the best are the Texans the third best team in the AFC South and is I mean the in the AFC and is um Deshaun Watson the MVP right now?
3: Of what? The AFC South?
0: The the NFL. No. And, uh, I
2: like Russell
3: Lamar.
0: Okay. Rus- right there.
2: Okay, but you said Izzy. I said no.
0: Okay, but you a little dismissively, I felt like.
2: <laughs> I was gonna give you my options. Russell and Lamar, as John mentioned, and then Deshaun, I think that's a. Uh, yeah. A good three-headed monster. Wow, what a
0: surprising list that literally every single person in America has.
2: You're the one that said Deshaun Watson is the MVP. My response was no, Russell Lamar. Where
0: would Deshaun be, third?
2: Yeah, That's third. Three-headed monster. They're close. I'm not sure why this is the hill you're trying to die on, but I refuse to shoot you in the face.
0: And you know what?
3: Deshaun and Lamar play each other next week, so we'll get settled that one on the field.
0: There you go. Um, I think the Texans will win that game. No, two weeks from now, right?
3: Two weeks. The Texans
0: have a bye. It's the Texans next game. Yeah.
3: At- but not, not Baltimore's.
0: Actually, you can run. Well, Houston, Houston, I was, I was impressed by Houston's defense because like they should have been carved up. They played really hard. They lost JJ Watt. They came to play Houston schedule down the stretch at Ravens, Colts, Patriots, Broncos, at Titans, Buccaneers, at Buccaneers, Titans. So that's not an easy schedule. Uh, moving along. Seahawks 40, Bucks 32. This game goes to overtime. Um, fun fact. Mm. (laughs) When Jason Myers missed the kick to end the game, uh, it cost our pal, Nick Costas, about $20,000.
1: And he reacted very calmly on Twitter. So let's give him credit for that.
0: You texted me, Pete and Jamie, Prisco and Jamie Eisenberg. A screenshot of him winning a uh DraftKings tournament. He was winning fifty thousand dollars. Mm. And uh by the time the tournament won- ended, he won one thousand dollars. You hate to see it. <laughs> uh, it's all because of like the uh, the DK Metcalf passes in overtime to Russell Wilson. Wilson had five passing touchdowns, twenty nine forty-three, three hundred and seventy-eight yards. I gotta tell you, and um the most impressive thing for me was that the Seahawks did not try to hashtag establish the run. They let Russell be Russ against the best run defense in football. They passed the ball over the place. The Buccaneers cannot stop anybody in the passing game. Tyler Lockett went bananas. DK Metcalf had a huge game. And, Sean, I just thought it was a smart approach to taking care of business against Bruce Arians and your boy, Jameis Winston, who had this magnificent explanation after the game about
4: how – because it's maybe full, half full of water. It's still
2: full of air. So we got to keep that glass full. We got to keep a chip on our shoulder, and we got to
0: find a way to get the wind. In case you didn't hear that, what he said was uh, the glass is half full, but that means it's still half full of water. Is, uh, I, I thought th-
3: I thought he said he was hungry because he hasn't eaten very many W's lately. Oh,
0: I He's thought that, he
2: said Luke. I am your. Father. Is that Darth Vader? I mean, why was he full of
0: water half full of air? Very important stuff there. Um, Sean what did you think uh,
1: I think I mean I was shocked that you asked if Watson was the MVP because for me Wilson is the clear runaway right now like obviously Watson and Lamar are in it but he was perfect I would say and he's now the second quarterback since 1950 um, to have 20 plus touchdowns and one interceptions through the first nine games of the season I believe Drew Brees last year was the other one um, and Breeze, of course, did not end up winning MVP. What's scary about the Seahawks team is if this is actually going to be their new thing where they don't try to establish the run, and this wasn't just a matchup-dependent thing where they looked at the Bucks' defense and oh, said, okay, we can't throw the ball, is they are about to add, obviously, Josh Gordon. Um, I believe he might be able to play this next week. Um, and so with DK Mac- Metcalf really coming to his own and actually uh, being able to contribute, um, substantially. Tyler Lockett remains probably the most underrated superstar receiver. Uh, like I think he's firmly in the wide receiver one discussion. Uh, you add you add Josh Gordon to this offense, an offense that prefers to throw the ball out of 11 personnel, I don't know how you stop them. And you look at, so they play the 49ers this next week. I don't know, I don't think the 49ers defense can stop slow down the Seahawks. I, I don't think there is a defense that can slow down the Seahawks if they let Wilson throw the ball. And Maybe I noticed the teams is maybe don't blitz Russell Wilson. Um, they blitz them, the Bucks blitz them 76% of the time on those dropbacks. He was 19 to 32, three touchdowns, 221 yards.
2: Via next gen stats. Don't, don't forget about what the, what tweet you're stealing, Sean, as you steal all my talking points from the YouTube exclusive. You are a thief.
1: Did you say that on the YouTube exclusive? Uh, you, you ran through the receivers.
0: Hashtag content, hashtag
2: thief. I will say this, though, and, Brenton, you sort of touched on it. Pete Carroll is going to have to be less conservative in his play calling or his coaching overall if they're going to compete with Kyle Shanahan uh, as they go into San Francisco. I think Seattle's going to win that game. But it can't be because you're punting the ball on your opponent's 35-yard line on fourth and one and running the ball a bunch. You have to let Russ be Russ because he is currently the best player in the NFL.
0: By the way, uh, apparently 49ers fans thrashing us. In the uh, YouTube comments. Uh-oh. Once again.
3: They love be- thrashing us.
0: Remember, thing- I said on Thursday that the Seahawks would win next Monday, and Sean was like, no, this- Jimmy G is a hero, a national superstar, a changed man, shooting his shot on TV. Uh, he's the greatest. I was like, new- we-
3: That's a new Sean voice. You been yeah.
0: practicing? It's, uh, <laughs> I can't tell the difference. He's talking.
3: That's post-pubescent.
0: Yeah, that was a very enthusiastic, like, ooh, Jimmy G shoots, shoots a shot. Um, anyway, the Seahawks get the 49ers in San Francisco on Monday and then have their bye before playing the Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Panthers, Cardinals, and 49ers again. That is not an easy stretch run. Um, Here's the thing about the Seahawks, though,
3: is that you look at who they've beaten, who they've lost to, who they've played. They've played two really good teams, the Saints and the Ravens. They lost both games. Every win they've had has been against a team that's, 500 or below except for the Rams so they have one win
0: and they should have lost that game
3: if yes if uh zero line hits that field goal then they've lost every game they've played against a good team and so when Sean says you know the 49ers are going to not be able to slow down the Seahawks at all I mean one you have you're throwing Josh Gordon in there he's not just going to be some uncoverable unbeatable he's not going to have this offense master right away and you said when you let Russell Wilson throw the ball. But the thing is, the Seahawks don't do that. They just do whatever they want. They might end up running the ball 40 times on Monday because that's what Daryl Bevel decides they need to do, even if it's not what they need to do, just because they they rely so much on the ground game, even though they don't need to, even though they shouldn't. Because I, I feel like at least once a week we're all butting our heads, like, why didn't they let Russell throw the ball there? Because they just call run plays to call run plays in Seattle. Uh so I, I think the 49ers defense will probably do a little bit better against the Seahawks than, than my boy Sean thinks. If uh, uh,
1: care
0: about the if, if, at all?
3: Well, I was gonna say this was like the perfect example of like
1: Jameis' flaws because he actually played well, but even when he's playing these good games, he still he always has his Jameis moments, and he actually got lucky on uh on sunday because he had a touchdown a pass
0: that pass it popped up in the air it like, should
1: have been an interception in the end zone turns into a touchdown for perryman um and then he fumbles late in the game and he wasn't even touched he just went back to <laughs> the pass and he lo- lost the grip on the ball as he was going back to caucus arm so it was the perfect example of like even when he has these good games you can't get all of Jameis out of Jameis. Um uh, since the end of the league, he leads the league in interceptions, obviously, um, and also fumbles loss. So he's just a turnover waiting to happen.
0: Not believe Sean used the C word on this podcast. What did I say? You heard yourself. Panthers 30, Titans 20. <laughs> Panthers covered the three and a half overhead on 43. Panthers overs keep hitting. Christian McCaffrey was another monster. Again, or was a monster again, whatever. Christian McCaffrey, uh, had a huge game is the point of what I'm trying to get to here. He ran the ball 24 times for 146 yards and two touchdowns. Caught, uh, three passes for 20 yards and another touchdown. Curtis Samuel, three catches, 64 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Allen, just one interception, 17 to 32 for 232 yards. I thought that Kyle Allen looked pretty good in this game. Ryan Tannehill, 27-39, 331, two picks, one not his fault. A.J. Brown popped it up in the air. Uh Derrick Henry, a pair of touchdowns, and Ryan Tannehill also ran for one. Titans fall to four and five. Panthers move to five and three. That is a huge victory for those of us who have the over seven and a half in Panthers wins and for Carolina to stay in the playoff hunt. They're right there on the fringe. Um, they have an opportunity to make moves, and I thought this was a big-time bounce-back breach uh, by the Panthers after getting their pants pulled down by the 49ers.
3: Yeah, and, and the thing was, it was against a team. I, I feel like this was the one game where nobody knew it was going to happen because we've seen the Titans pull some wins, uh, pull some rabbits out of their head. Uh We've seen the Panthers play well. But we also saw them get trounced against the 49ers a couple weeks ago. So it was kind of what do we expect here? And so I this is a great win for the Panthers because the Titans are a good team. I thought the most surprising thing here was that – uh just how bad the Titans looked. They they looked lethargic. It was like the first half of the Bears game. That's again what I thought I was watching. I me just compare everything to the Bears Eagles game. Uh the the Titans just struggled. They couldn't get anything going. It was the first game that I thought Tannehill looked like the Miami Dolphins version of Tannehill where he just wasn't doing a lot. So but that could be credit to the Panthers. So I'm not going to take anything away from the Panthers and this great win because now they're right back in the NFC playoff race, Princeton.
0: Mm. What do you guys think? Titans dead, alive?
2: No, the T- time there. I didn't watch yeah. a lot of this game. I'll be honest with you. Um, I saw the AJ Brown interception, which did not make me feel good because uh, I like him a lot coming out. Uh, I do wonder if the Titans are going to roll with Tannehill next year as well. Like if that's going to be their plan because uh, obviously Mariota's done. And, um, I think he has a chance to succeed, but I, I do wonder about, um, UPS Brown there, if they're going to get rid of him. Or is he FedEx Brown? Who's, who's, FedEx? On oh, okay. Yeah. FedEx Brown might have to, <laughs> I need to plan B there. But, uh, no, this is great news for the Panthers. They're five and three now. Uh, another reason why the Vikings should be upset with that loss that they dropped six and three, second place. As we talk about Walker teams here now that we're in, uh, a week 9.
3: And, and real quick, the Titans. They cut Cody Parkey last week because they had their kicker coming off injured reserve, Ryan Suckup. So in the irony of all ironies, Ryan Suckup comes up, first game back, whiffs on three field goals, goes 0 for 3. I think he missed from 43, 44, and 56. Uh, so that's, that's not, that's not great.
1: By the way, Christian McCaffrey now on pace for 2,488 yards. That'd be 21 yards short of the record for yards from scrimmage.
0: He's getting used. Cam Newton's not coming back anytime soon. He's getting used. Finally, the last game, the worst game, the Redskins game. Redskins lose 24-9. to Bills cover the 9.5. The under 37 hits. Josh Allen and Devin Singletary both blow up. Dwayne Haskins in his – what did you think about Dwayne Haskins, Ryan, in his first start? I mean, you watched this minute to minute.
2: Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of this either, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I was watching uh, the Steelers rip victory from uh, Adam and Terry's foot.
0: Nobody watched a lot. Let's be clear. Nobody watched. You know what? You know why nobody watched a lot of this game? Because it, it was terrible. B, it was so freaking fast. It was hard to watch. Do you know that there have been three games this season in the entire NFL through nine weeks that have been played in less than two hours and 45 minutes? All three of them coached by Bill Callahan in the Washington. With the Washington oh. They're
1: efficient.
2: They're he's, running the ball like crazy.
0: Look, I think he deserves Coach of the Year votes for getting Redskins fans through this season as fast as possible. <laughs>
2: That's a great point. Like, I will say this, uh, fun fact, first time in NFL history that uh, three teams won with a quarterback that had the same last name, Josh Allen,
1: Brandon Allen, Kyle Allen. I like that Ryan drops that as if he came up with it after he just bashed me for citing a next-gen stats.
0: Um, John Brown's been pretty good this year, four catches, 76 yards. Devin Singletary had – this is sort of a breakout game for him. Three catches, 45 yards, 20 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. What's taken so long? This guy has the makings of a fantasy superstar down the stretch, and I'm just not sure why the Bills have have waited this long to give him the rock. I think we're going to see more and more of Devin Singletary as we move along. They needed – Frank Gore can't punch it in. Um Browns, Dolphins, Broncos, Cowboys are the Bills' next four. They're going to the playoffs, right, Sean?
1: Yes. And the the question is is how deep can they go with Josh Allen? Um, and I brought this up on the on the YouTube show. Uh, the Bills' run defense is a problem, um, which isn't something I think we thought we were going to say, considering how good they were all around last year. Twenty eighth against a run by DVOA entering the week. Uh, the Redskins ran the ball. All over them, 127 yards and 23 carries. Uh, so that's just something to monitor moving forward. The teams you listed, I was trying to um, think about who potentially has a good running games. So you could see Denver maybe running the ball on them. So um, if you don't have a great quarterback, uh, you, you kind of need to be flawless um, defensively. And like If they went up against the Ravens, like uh, that would be a bloodbath.
3: Hmm. Um, would it be dirtier or cleaner than a Gatorade bath? A bloodbath. Would be just- you don't you don't know if blood is dirtier than Gatorade. Pretty- well, have you ever had either poured on you? Because one's sticky and one's not sticky.
0: Well, One, we know you've had blood poured on you. Two, anybody with any sensibility knows that blood is more opaque than Gatorade.
3: We're doing a lot of bath talking. That's all. <laughs> Thank you for that
0: question. Uh, Haskins is fine. <laughs> Haskins is fine. He looks he looks exactly like what you think he is. He's raw. Very talented, has a ton of upside, doesn't have a ton of receivers, is going against better defenses and doesn't have a chance out there. Um the Redskins should have covered in this game, by the way. Bill Callahan like accepted some penalty late. It was stupid. Um if you want us to talk more about this game, send us tweets and we'll talk about it on Monday or something like that. Uh in the meantime, we gotta get out of here. Josh Allen, by the way, first four games, three hundred and twenty yards. Last four games, two hundred and sixteen yards a game. Whoa. Six less interceptions over that time, though. You can join our Facebook group. Ran through there and answered every question out there on Sunday morning. Uh, we have multiple AMAs. Go to Facebook.com. Search for Pick 6 Podcast. Request to join. Debo, or The moderator will approve you, and we'll be off and rolling there. Uh, Cowboys-Giants Monday Night Preview with Jared Dubin, plus Takeaways with JLC. And then we'll have a Monday Night Recap up for Tuesday morning. Thanks, fellas. Yeah.